Aspiring Cinephile. I'm your host, Zach Watts, and I'm joined by the one, the only, the most frequent guest on the pod, James Rudd. James, how you doing? So good, man. It's always good to talk to you. From Hawaii. All the way from the island of Oahu. Hit the beach today. Love that for you. Yeah, me too, dude. It's 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 hard to have a bad day if you can just go to the beach. I hear that. We are we're in the dregs of it up here as as you're well familiar with. So, good on you for getting out, but the inversion hasn't been too bad, like so that's a win. That's the craziest thing for all of my non-Salt Lake listeners, which have I'm sure there are many. Uh thousands, we get I'm sure. Thousands, just so many, scores of them. There are dozens of us. Dozens. dozens. Um, yeah, the inversion. Basically, all the crappy air gets trapped down with you, and you breathe it in, and you can't like see. It's like a fog of just pollution that you live in for weeks on end. So it's great. Um, don't visit Utah. <laughs> it's really nice. <laughs> Pretty much, don't visit Utah from like January to March. At any other time, it's beautiful, but that just avoid like the plague. Uh, then, all right, today. Let's get into it, because we got a lot to talk about. Enough dilly-dallying. I'm going to stop myself there. Uh, we're doing our best of 2021 pod. We're going to talk about our favorite movies, favorite performances, um, all sorts of good stuff from the year 2021. Uh, we gave ourselves a bit of a cushion uh, to try and watch some more movies. Some of us did better uh, on that assignment than others, but we'll get there. Uh, we, we've both got a top five list to share, and then I've got a bunch of honorable mentions to throw your way as well. So let's... Let's jump right into it. Let's should we start with top five films? Should we just dump jump right in? Dude, Do you want to go through my honorable mentions first? Whatever you want, dude. This is your show. I'm just here to enjoy. And I think we'll find you'll find that I'm more the foil to your protagonist than anything else during this because I did not simply did not watch enough movies that came out in 2021. I watched a ton of movies this year, but not enough from this year. Happens to the best of us. I went on a spree. I watched like 25 movies in like two and a half weeks, oh, all God. from 2021. <laughs> like it was like, yeah, Sarah's Sarah's done on like, you know, she's like, can we just watch like a rom-com or something like not like, because it's all the like the Oscar baity like. The heavy hitters. Heavy hitters. It's like, can we just like, watch? and then I did Nolan at the same time. So I was watching like all the Nolan movies and then all these Oscar kind of oh, wow. movies. So. Not not a lot of like light stuff in there. So no, it's been cinema, uh, <laughs> hard cinema at the Watts home. Hard cinema. Um, but uh, let's go. You know, I'm gonna go through. I'll go through my honorable mentions here real quick. Uh, and so this is kind of like my ten to five that I want to run through. Get your takes on any of these you've seen, and then we'll hit into our top fives respectively. So uh, my number ten for the year. Uh, oh, sorry. One other disclaimer. My true number one and two films of this year were Spider-Man No Way Home and Bo Burnham's Inside. Uh, but I did an hour and a half pod about Spider-Man, and I did like a half hour on Inside already. So if you want to hear me talk about those movies, uh, that was my one and two. If you want to hear me talk about those, they exist in the feed. You can go. I wanted to use this to talk about some other movies, maybe a couple lesser known things as well. So, uh, But yeah, Spider-Man and Inside absolutely ruled. And if you didn't see them, if you're like the two people that haven't seen either of those things, honestly, go watch them because they're great. Any any Spider Man or Inside takes? I loved Inside. That that would be my number one too if I had thought to include it as a, a film of the year. Probably I watched it like five times. It really affected me. I think it did to a lot of people too. So 
maybe I'm dumb for saying that, you know, being no. like in the mainstream, yeah. but I loved it. I thought it was so, so good. I thought I thought it was brilliant as well. Um, Bo Burnham was in my top three artists on my Spotify Wrapped. I listened to that music wow. a ton too. I just lived with I lived in it, um, loved inside. So yeah. But anyway, those two. If you want to hear me talk about those, they exist uh, elsewhere. So number ten for twenty twenty one, I have the Last Duel. Uh, this is Ridley Scott film starring a few people you may have heard of: Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Adam Driver. Um, any of those names ring a bell to you, James? Uh, they must be new, like kind of no names, <laughs> busting in on the scene. I think I don't. No, yeah, I, yeah. this is I've seen three of your top ten, and this is one of the three that I saw. And this was a good one. I thought it's well, one. Of my, I won't. It's one I, of my ten faves. Uh, yeah, I I really didn't like it at all. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Yeah, well, Ridley Scott more like skiddly rot. This dude is losing his touch, and he's blaming it on the audience. He says that we, have, we don't have the attention span to enjoy these films or we don't want to be taught anything because this is a historical movie. Yeah. And I probably agree with him on those points, but that's not the reason that this didn't hit for me. I just didn't think it was very well done. I, if I Correct me if I'm wrong. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck collaborated on the script for this, and they haven't yeah, they wrote this written bad boy. a movie since Goodwill Hunting. And yeah. I think they should have left it at Goodwill Hunting. This was a big old whiff for me. Wow, we are very far apart on this. This this was higher up on my list. It's moved down as I saw some more movies, but it hovered in like this five to six range for you me. Preach, I loved this. Talk about it. Um, first of all, the Ben Affleck performance is just outstanding. Just what a heat check from our guy Ben. <laughs> like he is just going for it in this movie, and I am here for every second of it. No argument I think, there. Uh, I love Adam Driver uh, in this movie. He has a tough job to do um, playing that role. He's So if you're not familiar with The Last Duel, it centers around a, a sexual assault that occurs, and this is like in medieval France. Uh, Matt Damon's wife is played by Jodie Comer, um, and uh, the story is told from three different perspectives. So you get Matt Damon's perspective, Adam Driver's character's perspective, and he's the one that commits the uh, assault that... Uh, aforementioned and then Jodie Comer is the final perspective and that's what gets you uh, through the end of the film is, is following her perspective uh, and basically you know the name implies it all comes down to a duel between Adam Driver and Matt Damon because in those times uh, you had you know crazy crazy laws uh, obviously they hadn't figured out the legal system quite like <laughs> we've got it today back then I think yeah, yeah. Uh, so it, it all comes down to a trial by combat for because uh, nobody, of course, believes Jodie Comer's story. Um, and so there's some heavy, uh, and maybe this is where it didn't work for you. I don't I want to put words in your mouth, but some heavy-handed kind of Me Too stuff that's going on here. Um, kind of like, this is such an old story, but it's still happening today. Um, I know that was like, some people got hung up on that. Some people got hung up with having to watch this assault scene two different times, um, which was rough. Um, and I'll it is where you liked it. I liked it because I thought the performances were excellent. I thought, especially Jodie Comer and Adam Driver, Ben Affleck's a meme. He's great, but you know he's got like the blonde, uh, kind of almost bowl cut yeah. kind of hair and a little yeah chin hair. It's great. that little he's goatee really, vibe. I really he's him. he's great, but I thought um, Jodie Comer gave one of my favorite performances of the year in this movie. Um, and then you get Ridley Scott directing medieval duels. Uh, there's 
it's fantastic. Ending up in like a 10 minute Adam Driver v. Matt Damon medieval duel to the death, uh, directed by Ridley Scott, who, you know, made a couple films you may have heard of, like Gladiator, uh, uh, Alien, Blade Runner, just a couple, just a couple little films. He's done a films. few, yeah, most, a lot of people didn't see him. Uh, yeah, if you're not familiar, uh, just do IMDb on Ridley Scott and your mind will be blown. But, um, yeah, I just thought, you know, did it drag a little bit? Yes, but I thought the, the story construction was interesting. I liked the three different perspectives. I thought the performances were good. And then um, Ridley Scott directing some medieval battles as kind of a cherry on top. It worked for me. Great. I'm glad that it worked for you because I feel like it didn't work for a lot of people, but it still made in, made it into lists. And I, it probably should. It's a well-made movie. It's Ridley Scott. He knows yep. what he's doing. I think it's a it's a well made movie. I just didn't enjoy it, and I don't. I wouldn't call it a good movie because while the performances were fine, they were great. Like Adam Driver, I don't like him as a for some reason. I just like I don't care for him. But every time I see him in things, I love him. Like he's the so good undeniable. In but yeah. So love him. Love Ben. Jodie Comer was great. Matt Damon was fine. I don't know. Kind of fell flat. The character was only all right, but. For me, there were a couple of things. It's the same story told three times with very little variation. You know, it's like slight variation in the Mm -hmm. perspectives, which makes sense because there are different perspectives. But it was just like the whole thing centers around the accusation of this rape. And we'll call it, you you called it a sexual assault. Let's call it what it is. It's a rape. It's a rape. rape. And so she tells Matt Damon in the first perspective and you're like, oh, yeah, I believe you. Okay. And then we go through the whole story, and then we get it from Adam Driver's perspective, and we go through it, and we watch it happen, even from his perspective. If it, it fully happened, yeah, no question, no question, no it fully question. happened. And then we get it from Jodie Comer's perspective, and we see it again, and it fully happened. And this time is like a little harsher, and so it's like, okay, why did we have to see that three times? Like I believed her the first time, and then we saw it twice, and then they fight at the end, and the fight was dope, but then. I guess I won't spoil it, but it was to me it was just kind of a dumb ending, and there was like three to six battle sequences that were entirely too short. Because as soon as the fighting started, it's like, oh yeah, this is dope, oh! and then it cuts, it's gone. It's like, what the hell are you doing? Why are you trying to make this a boring movie? And then the really the thing that did it the worst is the dialogue was so clunky, and they're in France, right? Yeah, Matt Damon has no accent, American guy. Adam Driver has no accent, American guy. Ben Affleck, no accent, American guy. All the other supporting cast is either British or French. What the hell is going on? Can our boy Matt Damon not do an accent? I bet Adam can. I'm not sure Ben Affleck oh. could. But like, I, what are they doing? I don't think I don't think Matt and Ben do accents. Well, let's let's be honest. That's not in their bag. It Love was them. just it was just weird. I I didn't like it. You know? I respect I respect where you're coming from. Valid points. I think the that the two kind of you know the Adam Driver Jodie Comer performances were enough for me, and I guess there was enough battle for me. But I get what you're saying about cutting away. I could use more. I could always use more Ridley Scott medieval well, battles. Well, it's like either sure. show the battle or don't. You know, it's teasing. He gave us just a little bit of the battle, and you're like, oh, this is sick, and then it cuts. Like as soon as you think, okay, cool, boom, it's gone. And it's not like, oh no, I can't wait till the next one. That was so good. I want more. It's like, wait, what? Why? You like, that's boring again. 
But, I mean, cinematography is cool. It's really pretty. Yeah, it was beautiful to look at. That's for sure. Okay. The Last Duel. A, a heavy disagreement. Number one on, you know, number ten on the list. Starting off the show with a bang. Getting into I it. love it. That's that's why... That's, that's why, why you bring me on. on here. Yep. Perfect. Pardon me, um, I'm eating a little bit, too. I just have some snacks while we're doing this, kind of... That's, that's alright, we're just chilling. Yeah, this make is chill vibes. For our, our Can list. you get in really close, like a little ASMR moment? Like just a little... <laughs> I don't even what, know where the mic is on this computer. I'm not... <laughs> Now you see, James, the reason that the last duel really worked for me was... Ooh, that's nice. We're keeping that in. Mm. You're welcome, yeah, don't uh, listeners at home. Now my number nine, uh, my next honorable mention, uh, is the film Belfast. And looking at the doc, it looks like you don't have this one checked off. You didn't get a chance to see this one. No, I really... It's Jamie Dornan, right? Yeah. Is it black and white? Yeah, black and white. Jamie Dornan. I really um, want to see it. It's it's really good. It's like semi autobiographical about Kenneth Branagh, who who wrote and directed the film. Oh, I um, so the kid uh, who's played by uh, Jude Hill. What a name! What a name! Uh, Young hero with a name like Jude. Yeah, yeah. Deep cut for list, for for those that, you know. If you know, you know. Um, so, but he he's like the cutest kid ever like one of the best kid performances he would be the best kid performance of the year if come on come on didn't exist um but we'll get there uh in a little bit and then um so the the story of this one it's all taking place late 60s in ireland so a lot of social upheaval between the protestants and the catholics and there's riots and and stuff going on so trying to kind of raise a family in these dire circumstances with a dad that's away all the time he can't get work in ireland so he's away a lot and so the kid's kind of being raised by his grandparents and his parents are trying to figure figure things out. So it's a bit of like slice of life from a tumultuous time period um, that was just really beautifully shot. And then there's pops of... My favorite thing is they go to the theater like three or four different times. Um, go to movie theater and then an, an a stage production as well. Um, and those are in color. So the movies play in color with everything else in black and white. Just kind of showing that influence that that had in Kenneth's That's cool. young life. Like, that visualization was really cool. Um, so sorry, spoiler alert there. But that was that was my one of my favorite cinem- cinematography kind of touches um, of the year was the the color uh, for the for the films that they went and saw uh, in the movie with everything else black and white. So, um, But yeah, I would definitely recommend Belfast. It's, it's ultimately a feel-good movie. Uh, and has great performances. Yeah, Jamie Dornan was great. The the wife's name, uh, the woman that plays his wife, it's Kat- Katrina. Katrina Balf? Balf? Balfi? Yeah, and, it, and she's Irish, so I think you say it. Balfi. Yeah, Balfi. Katrina Balfi. Those two are like the most distractingly beautiful people <laughs> on the planet. Like, it's. Everyone else in the movie looks pretty, just plain. Like, you got Judy Dench and Kieran Hines, and, you know, like, just your average average Joe's as far as movie stars go. And then these two just, like, pop off the screen. They're, like, just so strikingly beautiful. So it's a little distracting. Uh, but um, they're both great. Um, Judy Dench and uh, Kieran Hines are the grandparents to the kid that are kind of helping raise him. And there's, there's tears. There's. Smiles, there's laughs. It's it's all really good. A little slice of life, slice of life movie for you. I would definitely recommend it. My number yeah, nine of the year. That's one I can't wait to see. That one's a little harder to see. I think we had to pay like twenty bucks to see it on like 
on demand. It may be mm. like available to rent now for cheaper, but it was like an early access one. So wait a little bit. If you're not like dying to see it, wait until you can rent it for cheaper. Because uh, I don't think it'll come onto any streaming services. My number eight, No Sudden Move. Uh, this was directed by Steven Soderbergh. It popped up. It, this flew completely under the radar for me. It popped up on HBO Max like in like March or something, and I didn't really think anything of, of it. And then I saw it popping up on a couple people I like, their their lists for the end of the year. So I decided to give it a shot. And here it is as num- my number eight favorite movie of the year. I, I absolutely loved it. It's a 50s crime drama. There's It's Steven Soderbergh, so... There's a heist involved. It's got, like, everyone and their dog is in this movie. Benicio Del Toro, Don Cheadle uh, play the two leads. You've got Ray Liotta shows up in this movie. Um, Julia Fox from Uncut Gems uh, is in this movie. And uh, uh, from Kanye and Julia these days. Hey. If you follow pop I, culture, they've been they've been spotted out. It sounds like he's trying to make Kim jealous with Julia. Hey. While she's know? messing around with Pete Davidson. More power to them. You know, I, yeah, I'm rooting okay. for everybody out there. Go go live your truth. Find your bliss. Um, I love that. Kieran Culkin uh, has a bit in this movie. Um, so lots of fun people. Uh, a heist that spins off into like a whole drama. Matt Damon shows up at the end of this movie. Like just totally awesome cast. A story I didn't... It's based around a true story. Uh, or true kind of taken from events that happened based on some real characters. Uh, or some real people the characters are based on. And Steven Soderbergh really kicks butt at making movies. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely this is recommend funny, it. actually. I started this movie, I remember. Like, right when it came out, I started it. And I got probably 20 minutes tops into it. And was too tired, or I had something going on, so I stopped watching, and I never made it back. Yeah, I would... It, it, was one that yeah just kind of, and it didn't feel like important it didn't feel like it was, anybody yeah. else was watching it so yeah. it's not like I felt this pressure to like oh I gotta be able to talk about this movie but it was great I absolutely loved it I would definitely recommend going back and yeah it's just on HBO Max so if you got that go and oh, watch it that. it's great yeah you do for for our listeners out for Zach's listeners out there you should know that your podcaster is a very generous generous man he's let me use his HBO Max for months now. And it's incredible. So thankful. Listen, I gotta have a way for you to watch these movies so that you can come on the pod with me. So that's right. Yeah, I gotta it. use it more, I guess. <laughs> Even more. Love it. Uh, so no sudden move. That's my number eight. My number seven uh, is the Mitchells versus the Machines. Uh, this is an animated film. It's a Lord and Miller production. If you're a frequent listener, you've probably heard me talk about these guys. A ton, but they're the minds behind the Spider-Verse movies. They did 21 Jump Street. They did... What else did... I mean, I'm blanking. I love these guys, but how come I can't think of any more of their movies? Oh, the Lego movies. Lego movie, Lego movie... Like, you know, a very particular brand of humor that totally works for me. Um, So this is a production of theirs. Um, They didn't direct it, but they're heavily involved with it. Uh, It's a very unique animation style. It's just... It's on Netflix, so... I know you've got Netflix, whoever out there is listening. You know someone with a Netflix login, or you have one. Uh, I would totally recommend watching this. I, I'm a sucker for a really good animated film, and these guys, you know, Lord and Miller, the way, the direction they're taking, kind of their animation part of their production studio is phenomenal. I'm absolutely on board with it, and 
Uh, I, I absolutely loved this movie. It was it had me laughing, it had me crying. Uh, I think it would work for it works for kids, work for adults. It's it, it hits every note that I want from a really good animated animated feature. Totally loved it. Worked for me. I've I've heard the same the same thing from everybody that's seen it. Just they go on and on. It's so good. So it's on my list. I didn't realize it was on Netflix, dude. That's so easy. Yeah, yeah. It's just on Netflix, and it's um, yeah. You're you're in and out under two hours. It's it's perfect. It's yeah. It's my favorite animated movie I've seen probably since Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. I think. Wow. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was fantastic. So totally recommend Mrs. Versus Machines. Uh, and I'd recommend that to anybody. You know, some of these, you know, they get a little a little blue, if you will. You know, there's some content in some of these movies uh, forthcoming on the list. But this one, that's, that's fun for everybody. My number six is The French Dispatch. This is a Wes Anderson film. Uh, we've waited a long time for this movie. It was supposed to come out in 2020 or 2019. I, I think, think 2019, yeah, it was delayed twice. Yeah, so we have been... We've been waiting a long time for this. I love Wes Anderson, and this just completely worked for me. The The premise on this one, uh, it's basically like an homage to The New Yorker. So it's three short stories with a couple... Uh, the framing device of the film is like a uh, an issue of The New Yorker. So there's a little... There's you know intro, and there's like a little piece at the beginning that was like my favorite part of the movie. Owen Wilson does like this little travelogue of this city, and it absolutely cracked me up. And then it gets into three uh, short stories that are all completely, completely different. But the vibe of them all, you know, it kind of comes together at the end. It's really well, you know, Wes Anderson's genius. Things that all kind of seem separate. It all kind of comes together to a theme at the end. I really loved it. Everyone and their dog is in this movie. Like the cast list is crazy, which we've come to expect from Wes Anderson films at this point. He just, people just want to be in these movies so if if you're into Wes Anderson at all, I would totally recommend yeah. it. And then even if you're not, I would say give it a shot because I th- it's I think there's something there for everybody. There's either a star that you like that probably has a lot to do in this movie or or something like that that could draw you in. Um, but if you're a Wes Anderson fan, and you haven't seen this one yet. I would totally recommend it. How did you watch it? it you I rented it on Amazon. It was like five bucks to rent on Amazon. Oh, so. Cake. Yeah. That'll be done soon. So, talking about Wes Anderson, I love him. Grand Budapest Hotel is one of my favorite movies ever. And then, you know, Isle of Dogs, Moonrise Kingdom, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Life Aquatic, etc. If you were going to compare this to... All Wes Anderson movies have the same vibe. Like, you can see one frame of one of his mm-hmm. movies and you know it's him. But if you had to compare yeah. this, the overall film style to one of his other movies, which do you think is the most comparable... I mean, it's definitely like late period Anderson. So we're more like Grand Budapest Hotel. Everything is very, everything is extremely detail oriented, very particular. It's definitely a, of the movies he's done, but later yeah. Anderson. Uh, so it's not, yeah, it reminded me of a little bit of Moonrise Kingdom vibe in there as well. Great. Yeah, I can't wait to see that one. All right. Those are my honorable mentions. That's my 10 through 5. Uh, now we're into our top five, so I've done enough movies. Your number five movie of the year. Let's start with you. All right. Well, dude, my number f- or my top five is uh, a little different than yours, which I love, so that we can get into it now. And my number five will shock be- shock you, shock people, because it's Encanto. This is shocking to me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's, there's very specific reasons why. 
And the, the reason is that I watched it about eight times while I was staying with my brother in Arizona for Christmas and New Year's because he's got three little kids. And we watched it for the first time. You know, everybody as a family together watched it. And it was great. I was, I mean, I love, you know, I love those movies, the Disney movies. Yeah, they're the, great. All those songs, they're great. I was like, yeah, that's fine. And then we watched it seven more times over like a week or two because kids are stupid and they just want to watch the same thing over and over again. And I can't get those songs out of my head. And I loved everything about it. The animation is just amazing to me these days, how they do it. And like the specific characters, even just their faces are like really sticking out in my my mind. And the songs are so good. So it won the Golden Globe this year for Best Animated Feature and I just heard that the song We Don't Talk About Bruno just passed Let It Go from Frozen as the... Really? Yeah, like the... As like most streamed or Most streamed uh, Disney song ever. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And it's crazy because that's not even the best song in the movie. No, well... Have you seen it? I have seen it. Well, I fell asleep for like the middle like half hour. Yeah. So, but I... I saw it. I got. I saw the beginning. I saw the end. The middle. I, I missed some things, but um, the here's my take on Encanto. Get me with it. Lin Manuel Miranda phoned this sucker in. <laughs> this music is fine. It's fine. But I'm like, when I saw Lin Manuel Miranda, I'm like, all right, this is gonna be like. I have a certain expectation from this man, and I I felt underwhelmed. Now I haven't had the time to sit with this music as much as you, but walking out of that theater, granted, I probably slept through like two of the songs. I, there was, I had no, like nothing stuck in my head. Nothing was like, the only thing was that we don't talk about Bruno. No, no, no. I sing that over and over again, but not, I don't know any of the other songs. None of it really stuck with me. So that, so with that, it kind of underwhelmed me just from the music standpoint where I had a certain expectation from Lynn and I feel like he kind of, for me, it felt phoned in, but that, I know honestly, a lot of people no, feel different. I had the exact same opinion after the first time. Mm. I'll be honest. As soon as it started too, she starts and singing the family Madrigal. Yeah. Madrigal. And I was Madrigal. like, this song blows. Like, But now that's one of my favorites. And the the best song is Luisa's song. Luisa's the buff sister. And she sings yeah. a song about She's cool. Pressure. I liked her a lot. Yeah. The animators actually had to fight back at the studio to make her buff, too. Really? Yeah, they didn't want her to be buff. Another fun fact about her, too, uh, that Sarah was telling me, uh, she saw that they ran, They didn't make enough of her, to- like her action figure for the movie, her toy. So they made... So they... They had to like rush and like make a bunch more of those. They went all in on the flower sister because mm. they thought yeah. that would be the most popular toy, and all the little girls want the Louisa toy because she's strong that. and cool. Yeah, so that I thought you know a step forward for the the culture uh, yeah. for our youth. I think good, good on them because well, she, in my yeah, opinion, hers is cool. the best song for sure. Like it, it affects me when I listen to it. I almost mm. cry. And plus, if you haven't seen the movie, or even if you have, go back and watch that song, and because it's great. But then, kind of near the end, like before the bridge in the song, the she's dancing with these donkeys dancing behind her, and that I laughed harder at that. Nothing was funnier in any movie of 2021 than those donkeys dancing with Louisa in that song. So go back and watch that. 
All right, I'll I'll give this one another shot because it's just on the plus. I can throw yeah, it on. Yeah, maybe like seven more shots. You know, just like <laughs> watch it every day for a week. Sounds good. I'll, I'm sure I'm sure no one in my house will mind uh, if no, I just have this. Probably not. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, Encanto, an unexpected number five. I love the pick. I, a weird I'm, number five, but that's what it uh, is. Hey, listen, I'm I'm here for it. I'm I, I love animated movies, um, so I, I'm here for it. I think they deserve the same level of like attention as cinema, well, quote unquote. Agree. Yeah. So I love it. I love the pick. Okay, my number five, a very different tone uh, than mm-hmm. Encanto. The Power of the Dog is my number five movie. Uh, of the year this is uh jane campion directed this film it's her first film in like over a decade that she's directed new um, zealand. And i'll be honest new zealand yeah man. yeah and i i'll be honest i haven't seen any of her other work because you know yeah. it's she hasn't done anything in like a decade like it's not a name that i knew but after seeing this it's making me want to maybe do like a deep dive episode on her because i thought i mean this was a be- this was probably outside of my number one probably the most beautiful movie to look at of the year i mean it's just freaking gorgeous i just watched this uh maybe yesterday like in the last couple days and it's just on netflix for those of you yeah you've probably seen it like pop up on your netflix watch it it's really good Uh, um stars benedict cumberbatch he gives a surely to be oscar nominated performance in this film um i loved it what what did you think of power of the dog I think you should talk more about what you loved about it before I say something. Because I'll okay. agree with you that it was, I thought it was stunning and interesting because it's set in 1925 Montana, but they shot it in New Zealand. Yeah. 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 And there, there's some points where you can tell, and maybe it's just because I've seen Lord of the Rings a million times, but there were yeah, some times I, where I was like, this is Middle Earth. But yeah, I then, thought the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so it was harder for me to believe it was Montana, but I was, there were some shots that totally could have been the the west in the early 1900s for sure um so that that worked for me i know that kind of took some people out of there like there's no way that this looks anything like montana that i didn't care so much about that uh it was beautiful to look at um i thought i mean obviously you know and we're big on you know the actors and performances especially the two of us i thought benedict cumberbatch it was one of my five favorite performances of the year uh i think i don't think he'll win the oscar because will smith will probably win the oscar uh, he'll get the lifetime the career so? achievement award. I'm I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um. But I think this he was phenomenal in it and would totally be deserving of a win. Um. It subverted my expectations, so I love when a story can do that, and also kind of subverted a genre in general. It's a very different take on a western, which I really loved. Um. That that worked for me. I thought Kirsten Dunst was was really good, and the role that she had to play in this movie. Um. It worked for me. And then Cody Smith McPhee, who's also getting a lot of Oscar buzz, he'll be in the best supporting category. Oh, really? um, yeah, I, you know, hearing his name out, I don't know that he'll win it, but he's getting a lot of, you know, a lot of buzz. I'm sure he'll be nominated. I think he was nominated yeah. for the SAG. Uh, so, um, but I thought it was a an interesting role and one that, yeah, I'll just say it, it unexpected. Uh, I don't want to completely spoil, but yeah, you will leave that movie thinking it was it left me thinking at the end which i really loved yeah and i agree it did not go well i didn't really know anything about the story going into it and that's good yeah but it didn't the story didn't really go where i thought it might you know i was definitely surprised a few times but that being said i honestly i didn't really enjoy the movie very much interesting 
Yeah, and it could have been a number of things. One is that I did get a slight spoiler from my brother. He and I mm-hmm. talk about movies all the time. He has an Instagram account where he reviews movies. I won't plug that on here. I'll keep this sacred for you. But hey, no, um, we love we love all film lovers. Uh, yes, we love all film lovers. But anyway, the, this film lover, my brother, ruined... Well, he didn't ruin. He just gave me a little spoiler. He gave me a little spoiler as to something in the story that... I think if I didn't know it, it would have been better for me. I think I would have enjoyed the movie more. Because it just took away some of the nuance of a lot of things that were going on. And uh, yeah, I, I might get hate for this from your millions of listeners, but... Benedict Cumberbatch did not impress me even a little bit. Really? Yeah, I Interesting. I, I don't think he's believable as a cowboy. Like as an American fine, Doctor Strange fine, but as a cowboy, I just don't see it. And even like the way that he, his posture, the way that he walks and everything, it looks like he's wearing a costume. It doesn't look like he inhabits, he doesn't live in that time period. And it just, so I guess I didn't believe him as a cowboy, but the relationship between him and his brother, Jesse Plemons, totally believed that. And I loved seeing those two go at it with Kirsten Dunst as well, because I think all three of them are just fantastic actors. Yeah, I, I can see what you're saying there. I think, you know, when I think about his performance, the, the relationship with Jesse Plemons, the relationship with Cody Smith-McPhee, obviously, and then um, the tormenting of Kirsten Dunst's character. He's yeah. just so low-key evil like i but just when he's playing the violin over her playing the like the little things like that yeah whistling at her when she's in the alley yes yeah, yeah all those that was really good those little touches and he i thought he played all that stuff beautifully I, I can see what you're saying about the cowboy thing but then i think with certain aspects of his character i didn't uh it, it didn't bother me as much yeah, no i could I see that i guess but honestly, though, talking about it more, I'm I'm appreciating it more, even just right now. I appreciate it more than I did five minutes ago because I'm reliving it in my head. And there was really good, really good choices as far as cinematography goes and, you know, showing them working, showing the relationship and using the house to kind of show the relationships as well. And then when he's working on the saddle or the rope and there are these close-up shots of his hands, like yes. that stuff was really, really cool. And then Cody Smith-McPhee, I thought, was cast perfectly. Yes, he was excellent. Excellent cast, and he played it perfectly. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, yeah. And he does, I love how kind of understated he was, too. Like, you don't have to go all out on anything. It would be really easy to take this role and just, like, dial it up to 100. And it it, it would not have worked. The movie would not have worked. It would have not fit the style of the rest of what was going on. It would have ruined it. No, and yeah, it wouldn't have, the ending wouldn't have had the power, the whole last third of the movie wouldn't have had the power yeah. that it did, I think. Okay, yeah. my Honestly, I'm changing my mind on the movie. I did not enjoy it very much when I watched it, but now I appreciate it a lot, and I might even watch it again. Maybe worth another look, I think. And yeah. also, I think, you know, not only are the performances getting a lot of buzz, but I think this is probably, I don't know if it'll end up this way, but definitely the front runner, like from the people I listen to and like stuff I kind of read on Oscar stuff, Sort of the front runner for best picture right now. Um, the front I, runner, really? Yeah, I think it was Belfast for a while, but it's kind of lost some steam. Um, Power of the Dog, I think it won the Golden Globe. Yeah, honestly, the Golden Globes flew right by me this year. Well, and they didn't have a show. It was just like all over yeah. Twitter, which was yeah. weird. But 
But anyway, yeah, Power of the Dog. Yeah, watch it again and, and let me know uh, off offline what yeah. you, what yeah, you that's think good. of it after another watch. All right, your number four movie of 2021, okay. James. My number four movie was No Time to Die. We love James Bond. The latest James <laughs> Bond installment. I am such a huge James Bond fan. I was going out of my mind for this movie before it came out. And we had to wait a long time for this one, too. This one was delayed multiple oh times. Oh, my gosh, did we? Yeah. I think the delay of this movie was more upsetting to me than any delay of any other movie has been. Because I love James Bond so much. Yeah. Yeah. I know there's some Top Gun Maverick people out there that probably are more mad about that. <coughs> this was much harder to wait for. Um, yeah. And I think I want to start off. If you haven't watched No Time to Die, which it came out a long time. Like, it's been out for a while now. I want to spoil this movie because I think to properly talk about it, we have to spoil Good. what happens at the end of this movie. So, spoiler alert. Skip forward like five minutes or so if you don't want to hear any spoilers for No Time to Die. But I think to properly talk about this one, we have to talk about everything that happens. So, yeah. spoiler warning. There you go. Skip forward like four or five minutes if you don't want to hear anything about James Bond. Because right. James Bond dies. That dude's dead. Daniel Craig dead. is dead. He's done. I didn't I didn't think they were going to kill him. I, I was surprised by this choice. I don't know why. Because, well... Before the movie. Like, halfway through the movie, you realize, oh, he's going to die at the end of this movie. There's yeah. no other way to go about this, really. But um, going in... So when I realized it was about halfway through the movie, it was like, oh, dang, they're really going to go here. Like, they're really going to kill Daniel Craig's character. Uh, what did you think of killing James Bond? I loved it. I, I thought it was fantastic. We knew it was going to be his last installment, his last outing as Bond, mm -hmm. as 007. And... I mean, the way that the story went, there's no other way for it to end. You know, they had to kill him. Yeah. And I totally respected it. I thought it was great. And it just was like they'd never done that before in James Bond, you know? A lot of things no. with the character just like they don't need to be explained when there's a new Bond. There just is a new Bond and that's just how it goes, etc. Yeah. And I don't, I hope that they don't try and do a whole origin story explanation on a new 007, whatever. But like killing him at the end of this one. I really, really liked. I thought it was great. I thought it gave a ton of meaning to everything because, truth be told, the relationship between him and, um, oh my gosh, I can't remember her name. What's her name in the movie? Oh, Leah Seydoux's character yeah. is that, but I don't remember what her Madeline? name is. Madeline? Madeline. Yeah. yeah I yeah, think yeah, it's yeah. Madeline. Dr. Swan, maybe? That sounds right. Uh, I don't really buy it. I don't see them. I don't oh. like them together at all. It's Vesper or Bust, dude. And we all know Vesper's the only one that ever really Vesper's had the his only heart. One. Yeah. So I kind of appreciated that, like, they brought the kid into it, and that it's his kid, and she got the James blue Bond's eyes. James Bond's dad. And then he has to die for them. And there's this moment. What's what sealed it for me? Well, on top of everything, because I just effing love James Bond. What sealed it for me is at the end when he's fighting uh, Rami Malek's character. I can't remember his name either. And they're in like the little garden area of his compound. Yeah. And they're in like the water kind of circle thing. And they're fighting. And he gets scratched. And he has the shit on his face. The nanobots or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And uh, he, they're talking to him. I don't remember if it's in his ear or if the Rami Malek's talking to him. But they he, they tell him like if once it's on you, it's never coming off right, right. Oh, it's probably Q that tells him and he's I remember that's kind of like a low shot up at Daniel Craig and when the reality of that hits him because he's like totally beat up but he's still in it he's ready to go he's fighting and then once that knowledge settles onto him that he'll never be able to be near his 
I don't know if they're married, but his love and his daughter ever again, just the weight of that settles on him and he sags and you, I just thought it was effing incredible and gut-wrenching, heartbreaking. And then that is what he takes with him for the last 15 minutes of the movie as he, you know, actually gets out and then freaking dies. And I just thought it was terrific. I really loved it. I thought it was a great movie. Yeah, I, I really liked it. It was, there were some things that I didn't, that don't work for me. Uh, so it's not like, you know, it was probably, I have my full ranking. If you find my list on Letterboxd, I'll link it in the episode. I have ranked every movie from this year. I think I've got it late teens, early twenties of like 45 movies that I saw in, of 2021. I didn't love, I thought Rami Malek's character, you've got Rami Malek and this is what you give him to do. It didn't all like work for me. I thought that character was kind of lame. I don't know. Kind of one-dimensional. I agree with you. It, but he was a great Bond villain. Bond villains don't have to be deep and... Javier Bardem spoiled us. Skyfall spoiled us. He, he did. Because yeah. that, that well, movie rules. You're, you're totally right. If you take him away, Rami Malek's terrific. But with him in there, he set the bar too high. And yeah. then Christoph Waltz came in, and they gave him the same kind of nothing... You yeah, know, they just waste him. I just feel like we've got great actors, and we're giving that. And Bond villains work because it's if it's like a guy you just believe is like a mustache twirling bad guy. Like I'm here for it. But when you've yeah. got guys like Christoph Waltz and Rami Malek playing these parts, it's like, uh, can we give, give them a little meat. more to do? Yeah. Can we give, give them, them just death. something else? And and honestly, I think Skyfall is the best and worst thing that's ever happened to Bond because it's set like it's the best Bond movie ever period i'll fight you on that really casino royale is the best bond movie ever oh bro i can't i can't get with you on that take i love you i I don't want you to i want to fight you on it i want to take you outside and fight you to the death on it fisticuffs to the end (laughs) look up the fisticuffs (laughs) um no skyfall is by far casino royale second it's definitely better than no time to die or any of the other craig bonds but skyfall casino royale is the best skyfall is prettier and has a better villain maybe, maybe it has a better villain. Definitely has a better villain. And it's not It's not a better movie. It's not a better James Bond movie. Casino Royale I is can, the best James Bond movie ever made. I can maybe get behind that, because I think the reason that Skyfall is the better movie is that it subverts your James Bond expectations. And you end, it's not a globe trot. Like, you start out trotting the globe, but it all ends up back... Back mm-hmm. at home. You're back on home. home so it's a very internal story, right? A lot of times yes. it's like you're globetrotting and it's fate of the world. And I think I like that it was like, no, this is just the people in James Bond's life. The only kind of two or three people that ends his life are the ones that are directly involved. I don't, I don't know how much time we're, you want to spend on James Bond, but we, I could talk about those movies a lot. Okay, let's do – let's put a pin in our James Bond – James Bond combo. Let's do a James Bond deep dive later, and we'll we'll do a because da- now Daniel Craig's done, so we'll da- we'll do a Daniel Craig retrospective and rank uh, the movies, and we'll duke it out on Casino Royale versus Skyfall. Good. I could go all day on that. I yeah. could go however many rounds you stay up. All right, sounds good. The Ollie Frazier of twenty twenty two. Skyfall versus Casino Royale. Okay, all it's right. your turn. My turn. Uh, good night, nurse. We've got a lot of movies to talk about. Okay, my number four. For the year, is a movie that probably nobody has seen, but it 
freaking rules, and it's called Licorice Pizza. Um, the reason probably nobody's seen it is because it's only been out in theaters for like three weeks now, and a lot of people aren't going to theaters right now. But if you are one of those people, like me, that feel safe, you know, wear your mask, do whatever you need to do to feel safe. Go see Licorice Pizza in a theater. It is a delightful experience. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson directed this movie. He's, you know, we got some films from from some real ones this year. Steven Soderbergh gave us one. Denis Villeneuve gives us a movie. Steven Spielberg and uh, Paul Thomas Anderson all coming out with movies this year. And Ridley Scott making two movies this year. So good good year for movies. Um, but Licorice Pizza. I, I hate that I haven't seen this movie. Because I almost don't want to hear you say anything about it since I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. And but honestly, I still got it. You still got it. Say yeah. I'll, I'll speak briefly on it because I do want you to just see it. And... And honestly, I don't want to spoil too Not that there's like spoiler. It's a, totally a slice of life movie. So it's not like there's big spoilers. But one of the things I absolutely love about this movie. So it's set in early 1970s Los Angeles. It's a love letter to Paul Thomas Anderson's childhood. Um, so he's, it feels very personal. And all of these characters feel very real. And that is something in a year. And with movies that I absolutely love. I, I just said a few minutes ago, Spider-Man No Way Home is like my favorite movie of the year. So I get it. But there is something really refreshing, too, about seeing a movie that just feels like it's about real people living their real lives. And this was fantastic. Alana Haim, uh, as the female lead in this, was a revelation. Um, we've got Cooper Hoffman. Is that her name? Alana? Yes. Alana Haim. Yep. She's one of the Haim sisters, if you're into their music. Yeah, they're in a band. Yeah, they're a, they're a band. And also their parents are actually... so. Her family is just all in a movie as a family together. So it's like the Heim sisters and then their parents are play a family in the I movie. I love that. It's fantastic. And they were hilarious. Her dad is really funny in this movie. Uh, Mr. Heim. I don't remember his first name. But that part of the story is hilarious. Um, and then you got Cooper Hoffman who's playing this just hustling 15-year-old. Just working all these schemes. And like he's running like a waterbed business. He's doing this, that, the other. And like it's just... It's it's hilarious and okay. You you got to tell me though, because this Hoffman is young Philip Seymour Hoffman's son. Yes, the late Philip Seymour Hoffman's son, who we lost way too early. Incredible, incredible actor. Is this kid in the movie because he's Philip Seymour Hoffman's son, or he's in the movie because he deserves to be in the movie? He's in the movie because he deserves to be in the movie. But there's he's also he's really good in the movie. Alana Haim is better than him in the movie. I went into it thinking it was going to be a Cooper Hoffman movie, and it's definitely an Alana High movie. Uh, but he's really well, good in this it. This might be her first film too, though, right? Yeah, it's both of their first films. So the two people uh, at the center of the film, it's their first ever feature film. Uh, so that's really kind of cool to see. And Paul Thomas Anderson, Anderson's so brilliant. He gives them... He makes everything they do feel natural. He's always giving them something to do. That It's never... Because, like, when he's working with someone like Daniel Day-Lewis, he can kind of just be like, you can just sit at this table and be Daniel Day- like, and do your Daniel Day-Lewis thing in a scene. Every scene with these guys, there's it's a lot of kinetic energy. He's got them moving. He's got them doing different things. And I think it helps them to never feel, like, stiff or awkward on screen. And it really, really works for me. That. And then surrounding them with a ton of talented people uh, as well. So I know Bradley Cooper's in it. Bradley Cooper's got, like, know? a 10-minute stint in this movie that is... Absolutely hilarious. I hope he wins Best Supporting Actor for this, like, 10-minute stint. It is it is hilarious. It is the best. There's, like, a t- 10 to 20-minute stretch of the movie uh, with him. And then there's, like, a, a moving truck 
that they're like driving downhill. It, it's it's a crazy sequence that Bradley Cooper's kind of at the center of. And he should win, even though he's only on the screen for like 10 minutes, he should win a Best Supporting Actor for this. He's phenomenal. Uh, Sean Penn shows up in this movie, is kind of an homage uh, to like a 70s actor. John Michael Higgins, is that his name? The guy that he does, he was like in John Best Michael in Show. Yeah, who's like Best in Show and does like all the Christopher Guest mockumentaries. He was in Pitch Perfect as like one yeah. of the announcers for the, yeah. yeah. He shows up in this movie. He's got a couple bit parts that are a little controversial. I'll just let you see it and decide for yourself. And then obviously, speaking of controversy, the big controversy around this movie that you'll hear about is there's a big age gap between Alana Heim's character and Cooper Hoffman's character. He's a, he's playing a 15-year-old and she's playing a 25-year-old and may actually be like 28. So it's, a lot of people are like, this is really gross. I don't want to see that. It never, it didn't bother me. And I think it's there. Paul Thomas Anderson is doing this to make you kind of think about how we view like relationships in, in the movie, in the movie their characters are 13 years apart uh, or fifth or 10 years apart. But then there's a part where she's kind of like, she says 28 when somebody asks how old she is. And then she says 25. So it's kind of like hazy, like how old she actually is. So she may even be older. So it's an interesting wrinkle into the movie. Uh, and a lot of people are not on board with it. A lot of the reviews and stuff I see about it are like, this just made me feel too weird. It it didn't bother me, but maybe I'm... I think the rest of how awesome this movie is and the soundtrack, the needle drops in this movie, oh my gosh, phenomenal. Just so great. So go see Licorice Pizza. All right, you're number three. Okay, my number three fluctuated between number two and number three spot. Sits firmly at number three. Now, Judas and the Black Messiah. And I did not get to this. I, I have seen the first half of this movie, and I have not had a chance to finish it before we recorded. So I'm like And I'm really glad it. you haven't seen it, because I haven't seen most of the movies <laughs> you've been talking about. Finally, the tables have turned. Judas and the Black Messiah, starring Daniel Kaluuya, who you love. I love it. If you recall listeners from a previous podcast with me on there. Mm-hmm. Zach loves him. <clears throat> Lakeith Stanfield, who you'll recall I love. And um, it was a really, really good movie anchored by those two. I think Daniel Kaluuya won. He won best. Was it best actor or best supporting? I don't remember. Either way, he won uh, an Oscar for this movie. And I think Lakeith Stanfield was nominated. Yeah. And they were both terrific. And the movie I felt was really. Um, well, it was compelling. Like it's just an engaging watch, interesting story based on true events um, about you know civil unrest. And uh, I don't know how much more I have to say about it other than than that, and that you should really go see it if you haven't seen it yet. You know, because uh, I don't know how important it is. You know, I I know that it was touted and marketed as like a really important movie to see these days with the BLM movement and civil unrest, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it gives kind of a cool insight to me. It gave cool insight to somebody who wasn't alive back then. Right. Uh, You know, what it was like for people of color back then and just what America was kind of like. But I don't know how, I don't know how much it contributes to the conversation today. And all of that being said, it's just a really good movie with two knockout performances. Especially if you've seen Daniel Kaluuya in like Get Out or anything. This dude's range. He's incredible, is, man. He's yeah. So good. Like unbeatable. Yeah. Really, really good. 
yeah, I'm excited to see the back half of this. I think I'm like right at the halfway point, if I remember right. So, um, so I've kind of got the setup of the story, and we're kind of in to kind of the Keith Stanfield's thing and kind of how that's going. And yeah, but yeah, excited to see how it all turns out. And the, those yeah. two are phenomenal. I'll just echo that from what I've seen so far. Um, really, really good. So excited to wrap wrap that one up. My number three, speaking of civil unrest and uh, people of color, uh, I've got West Side Story as my number three film of the year. Uh, This is directed by Steven Spielberg. Ever heard of him? Uh, He's pretty pretty good. Um, He's made a couple films. He's made a a couple things that are pretty good if you're into movies. Um, So, uh, yeah, directed by Steven Spielberg. Tony Kushner does... uh, he updated a lot of the script. So a lot of all the songs, all the lyrics, I think stayed exact. They didn't change any lyrics of that Sondheim wrote, but they updated the book, uh, the script quite a bit. It's, it's pretty cha- I mean, the story pretty much stays the same, but they've changed. They give the character Tony a little bit more of a background. They play it as he's, uh, he's on parole, which I kind of liked adding that dimension to his. Uh, yeah. Kind of give him more reason to, stay out of this. Yeah, more reason why he's yeah, not part of the Jets anymore cuz when you first when you see the original movie and, or like the show, you're kind of like why is like Tony's really one of the Jets like really like why is everybody like oh this guy's like such a big deal uh, cuz he just seems like he's got his head in the clouds and just kind of not a care in the world. So that I they tried to kind of they tried to kind of give his character a little more grit. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think Ansel Elgort really did a lot with that. I think it like psyched him out. I don't know cuz Ansel Elgort I know this guy's been like obviously he's cancel Elgort now, right? Like obviously there's been a lot there, and I don't want to dive into that. Yeah, let's stay away from that. Staying away from that one, not touching it. But uh, on screen, we have seen him. You know, Fault in Our Stars and Baby Driver are two prime examples where he is a very, very charming guy, really fun to watch on screen. And for whatever reason, he is not doing it in this movie. That said. This is still my number three favorite movie of the year because everything else about this movie is perfect. It is phenomenal. It's a great update for this story. West Side Story is the best musical ever. Like, it's it's my favorite. I wow. absolutely love it. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, it, you know, Les Mis, close second. For those for those of you at home, Les, uh, James and I co-starred in a Woods Cross High School's production of Les Miserables. You probably heard about it, uh, 2011. I'm sure you did. It was, yeah. it was all, the world was a buzz in 2011. Yeah, uh, I had multiple people tell me it was as good as Broadway, and I don't think they were trying to, to gas me up at all. I think no, really no lie. People still bring it up to me to this day. When I was in when I was in Utah a few months ago, somebody was like, "Hey, you were you were in Woods Cross High's Les Mis." I was like, "Yeah, ten years ago." And again, for the <laughs> listeners, our boy Zach Watts was Jean Valjean. He was that show. So whatever you think well, about him, upgrade those thoughts because he's like, if. You've ever heard Master of the House, which is the bop from that show. I have a fine the rendition <laughs> on a DVD uh, of 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 one James Rudd performing that as Monsieur Tenardier. But anyway, enough about our glory days. Glory days. Um, we West Side Story, my favorite musical, and having Steven Spielberg direct a movie musical is just a gift to all of us. I was thinking about you know going back, looking like In the Heights, and even like Tick Tick Boom, and a couple of these other movies. He's directed, like, Lin-Manuel Miranda did a great job on Tick, Tick, Boom. Love that movie. But the difference between what he's doing in that and, and like, 
I don't remember who directed In the Heights, so sorry to whoever they are. But and that's probably a better comparison to West Side Story, style wise with like choreography and stuff. Steven Spielberg. Everybody take notes on how he filmed this movie. That camera is moving at all times, and we get great shots of all the dancing choreography, and you feel like you're in motion with them. He takes advantage of... It feels like a lot of times people get in the trap of movie musicals of filming it like you're watching it like on a stage, yeah. uh, which totally makes sense because that's how you would normally see this material. And Steven Spielberg gets you in there. There are some times where he pans back and lets you see kind of the choreography at large, but he is he keeps that camera moving, and you get great shots of... He's a master. Watch this movie and uh, take notes on how he is. He directs the action and, and moves the camera. Did you see uh, this in theaters? It, it, it's brilliant. I saw this in theaters. I, this yep. is the movie that I haven't, out of all the movies we've talked about that I haven't seen, this is the one I want to see the most. And I'm kicking myself because I almost saw it a couple weeks ago in theaters and I decided to spend time with a person instead of going to see this movie. And I don't even like that person very much anymore. So what was I thinking? What were you thinking? Movies, movies are, are better than people. Generally better than people. Yeah. There are very few people that are better than movies. If you take anything from the aspiring cinephile, I hope you take from movies it. Are better. In general, movies also, are better than people. In the Heights was directed by John M. Chu, who is not one of Harold and Kumar. And he directed G.I. Joe Retaliation, Never Say Never, The Bieber Story, and some other dumb movies. So... Not to I don't I don't know why I want so, to trash on In the Heights, but I'm trashing on it. I didn't like that at all. I turned it off halfway through, and I really liked the musical, so I thought they ruined the movie. So f you to all the listeners that really liked it. Uh, I no rebuttal. It, I mean, it was fine. It was fine. That's all I have to say about In the Heights. Uh, and I think I probably thought more of it until I saw West Side Story. And holy crap, that movie's awesome. Okay, your number two. Okay, my number two. This is a really good one. Uh, I mean, I have a lot to say about it. If we want to get into it the green knight okay this is like right on the outside looking in for me i think i have it like 11 or 12 so i really love mm, this movie so you did see it good yes i did yeah see it. it uh it's really interesting how it has grown for me my opinion of it has grown because i watched it just a couple weeks ago and a friend of mine had had uh, recommended it to me and said it, I think this is your kind of style of movie. Like, you might enjoy it. It wasn't my favorite, is what he was saying. But you might like it. Give it a shot. And so I didn't know anything about it, except for from the really kind of mysterious trailers, where it's just a few shots, and you don't know anything about the story. Yeah. So I was really intrigued. And this is the kind of movie that I really like, where it's uh, kind of slow to some people, but, like, really visual, really cinematic. And... Mm-hmm. A solid, really incredible performance, in my opinion, by Dev Patel, who was cast because the director th- saw him in a play and thought he looked so regal. So they cast him as this uh, prince, and he, I think, I agree, I think he looks so regal. I think he looks just so good for this part. And the costumes in it was amazing. I love all the colors that they chose, and how the world yeah. was kind of muted a little bit, um, but the color palette was really nice and uh it's based on a poem from you know way back in the day i don't remember what even century it was from yeah medieval Medieval we're talking medieval times based on a poem and so a lot of people said that it didn't make sense it was confusing or the ending wasn't satisfying or they just you know they didn't get it and to them i say it's supposed to be a little confusing because it's kind of 
you know, it's mystical and mythical and really beautiful, I thought. It was kind of sad throughout, mm. but also pretty honest because Dev Patel looks so regal and everything and he becomes the king, but he's like the epitome of cowardice throughout the yeah. whole movie. And and that's what, what another reason I really like the ending. They kind of left it ambiguous as to, you know, kind of like two options, what you think happened there. And uh, then yeah. they never explain really the Green Knight, like who he is or what that is all about. And I loved it. I, I, I really, really liked that movie. I am totally with you. I really loved it. I thought visually it was like a top three movie of the year for me. Like no right doubt. up there with no know, doubt. Yeah, anything else. All the shots in the woods as he's like on his journey. I mean, holy cow. So beautiful. So striking. Um, Dev Patel's great. He's one of our best movie stars. Uh, I won't hear any argument against that. I think he's phenomenal in everything he does. Like I've never seen him really do anything that I at least didn't like him in. So I'm all on board with Dev Patel. You know, the easy or the dumb quote unquote version of this movie would be go full on into like, yeah, Dev Patel's character is just this hero and he goes on this quest and it all works out and is like, you could have that interpretation of the story if you wanted to. Uh, and that would have been a much worse film. This, the, amb the ambiguity, the real leaning into the mysticism of everything going on and you're never quite sure what's a dream and what's real. Everything feels very hazy. Uh, I absolutely, I, I loved it. And it, it's one that kept me, it kept growing in my estimation as well. Like as after I'd seen it, I kept like going back and thinking, man, that I really like that about this movie and this and that. And it, it, it keeps growing. I, I could see in a few months from now, it cracking like my top 10 as I kind of went back and reflected yeah. it. I loved it. This I movie. love hearing that dude. That's I think the closest we've aligned on any of these. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Totally recommend green Knight. Go out and see it. I think this is when you still have to like rent. It's not on any streaming. I think that's right. I'm pretty sure, but I think you can rent it for like three bucks on Amazon. So, uh, it's really good. All right. My number two film of the year, uh, is called come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Uh, this film, I think it's Mike Mills or Mark Mills. I think it's Mike Mills that directed the film. Um, but it stars Joaquin Phoenix, Mike Mills. I was right. Trust your instincts, Zach. Come on. I had starring one Scoot um, McNary. Who everybody knows Scoot my name. McNary. Everybody loves Scoot. Very small part for Scoot in this one. But, uh, it's. I mean, it really all centers around Joaquin Phoenix and then uh, his relationship with this uh, with his nephew. Do you have the name of the kid? Woody Norman. Woody Norman, who, uh, sorry, Jude Hill, the slight edge for best like child performance of the year goes to Woody Norman. Uh, the relationship between Joaquin Phoenix and Woody Norman in this film is is beautiful so uh basically the the basic premise of this walking phoenix uh his character he plays like i, I picture him kind of like an ira glass type like an npr like documentarian radio journalist yeah but, yeah and then uh he he has this nephew woody norman uh who and then his sister uh it seems like they're kind of estranged after the death of their mother and some other things that kind of come up throughout the film that kind of drove them apart but he's making an effort to reconnect with her uh and then her husband is uh bipolar and he's going through an episode so she go she needs to take time to go and help her husband and so joaquin phoenix volunteer like offers to take 
her son, and then he ends up taking him kind of across the country. They go to New York and New Orleans, and uh, Joaquin Phoenix, he starts off as a very kind of inward person. It's just a feel-good movie of him kind of, through his connection with this kid, uh, growing as a person and opening up and kind of working through some of his stuff. So it's very just kind of slice of life, like not... Not a lot happens in this movie, but it was beautiful. It's all it's in black and white. Uh, it's so it's very muted. Like it's all just about uh, the relationship between these characters, and it was so fun to see Joaquin Phoenix do such like a muted performance because a lot of times he's doing like I mean character you know, Joker or his stuff like in the Masters, Paul Thomas Anderson stuff like usually kind of crazy out there characters. So seeing him just kind of do this be a guy. normal guy be just a person was amazing uh walking phoenix really good uh <laughs> for those of you that don't know <laughs> there's my hot take walking phoenix is a really good actor really good. um and he's he's really good in this movie i would recommend it to to anybody it was beautiful it made me cry uh, the kid really is good. british in real life yeah and he's you he totally bought him as, i had no idea i would not have guessed that he's that's so sick for a little kid to do an accent i think that's dope how old is this kid he can't be older than like I mean, he's probably like 13, 14 in real life. He's playing like a 10 year old. He's 11 like, on here. Oh, wow. Yeah. So even like he's he's a young. Yeah. I thought maybe he was a little older and looked young. But yeah, he's he's really, really he's talented. Um, yeah, this is another one that I think you'd have to rent. It's not like on any streaming services, but it's phenomenal. And bring a box of tissues with you. Great. I can't wait to cry to that movie. I think we share a number we one. We do, and I love that because it's the only answer. It's the only answer. It's the right answer. It's Dune. Dune, do do Dune, Dune, Dune. Dune rules, man. This movie was awesome. Dune rules. Uh, Denis Villeneuve quickly becoming one of my favorite filmmakers. Um, visually, this is probably the most, I think it is the most stunning visual film of not only of the year, but... Of a lot of years, I would say. No doubt the best best looking film of this year, but probably easily of the decade as well. I, I'd put it up against anything else. It was, it's stunning. Yeah. And I, as I was watching it in theaters, I said to the person with me that like, I'm blown away at how far technology has come, how far cinema has come. Because it's actually really funny. I watched Alien a couple nights before the original mm-hmm. Alien for the first time before seeing dune and so two like huge sci-fi movies big it it was huge for its time and it was incredible for its time and then now and it was like 1989 79 89 i think 89 and then you know 2021 is dune and comparing them i i think i made a little video actually because there's a scene where this plane is or the ship is landing on in alien and it looks ridiculous now. You, like it show. It looks like it's not even moving, <laughs> and it just sits on the side of this ship with steam blowing out for like way too long, and then cuts to the planet, and it's like all shaking, and then it goes back to this, and it's just absurd. <laughs> and so, like intercut that with the ornithopters or the ships flying around in Dune, oh gosh, across all of that incredible landscape, and just like cut back and forth between those. And it's outrageous. It's outrageous how far technology and cinema have come in in our mm-hmm. lifetime. Yeah. Oh, it's it's stunning. I I've never seen anything like this. It absolutely blew me away. 
the and the attention to detail, like not only like the grand spectacle visual, but I mean, every, the color palette of this movie is just like so striking. The desert vibes, um, the costuming in this movie, everyone looks so dope. <laughs> like all the costumes yeah. are really yeah. good, really beautiful. Um, and yeah, just the way Villeneuve frames everything, and he. He clearly has a love for the source material. I've started reading the book. Um, Have you? Yeah. Uh, I'm not very far yet, but I'm loving it and getting the, like, I think he's capturing kind of, for me so far, gets the, kind of the vibe. Like, yeah. it feel like it's, he takes his time with this movie. He is in no rush. No. Well, it's, I have a lot to say about Doom. I'll try and bust out the important parts because yeah. uh, a group of, a uh, group of us, on the island here in Hawaii, decided to start a book club, and Dune was the first book that we read. And we read it so that we could finish in time to go and see the movie together, which we did. Cool. And so I read the book, and I've since read the two sequels after it, and there are actually six oh, wow. that he wrote. But anyway, Dune, um, I read it, and then I went and saw the film, and it was so true to the source material. Obviously, some things have to change just because it's a different medium, and you don't have the same... I mean, you just have to give the information a little bit differently. But I thought it was so well done, the opening of the movie, to get get you what you absolutely have to know, and then it takes its time throughout. Just built world building and showing you the relationships and showing you this planet and, and the other planet, Caladan, too. And um, Denis Villeneuve read the book when he was like 14 and just loved it and so he actually did arrival and what was the other sci-fi movie he did oh blade runner blade, blade runner. runner yeah thank you oh my yeah. gosh so he did both of those consciously deliberately before ever trying to do dune to prepare for dune he he wanted to make dune but he needed the sci-fi experience the experience of making these other two incredible sci-fi films to be able to handle Dune because it's such a well-known and beloved book by so many people. Yeah, a lot of people, I mean, not that I'm like deep in the Dune message boards or anything, but it, the vibe around it is like, people thought you couldn't adapt this movie to screen is the vibe that I've got. Well, it's been tried about. three separate times. Right, and it, none of them are good. No, like the, I saw the David Lynch movie when I was a kid and it's weird. I mean, it's David Lynch and it was the 80s, yeah. but like it just wasn't very good. Right. It didn't have yeah. the same. It did like this is this movie is awe inspiring, and that's what the book is too. And the David Lynch one just wasn't as much. And then there was a failed t- TV series project, and then there was another one that actually got into the pre production and was scrapped because the budget got too big. Because there's just so much they have to do to make it right. Thank goodness that Warner Brothers cut that check for for Denis Villeneuve because this movie rules. Uh, it really and- does. I thought it was really well cast. I really like, I mean, the fact that you get Oscar Isaac to just be in like 30 minutes of this movie and then die is like awesome. He's so good. He's so good. Uh, uh, I, you know, I know people are, you know, it's, there's some Chalamet haters out there. I'm in the bag for Chalamet, but I thought he was really good. He could have easily been a downfall of this movie for a lot of people, but it seems like most. Uh, yeah. I don't, I haven't heard anybody talking bad about him, even yeah. if they don't like him. I think he was perfectly cast for this part. And did such a good job. And um, Rebecca Ferguson is one of my favorites in the movie. She plays his mom. And Mm -hmm. she just brings such uh, 
I don't know what it is, like regal quality. I use that on Dev Patel, but um, she's like a Yeah, queen. it's a similar kind of, yeah, yeah. She carries herself very, yeah, regally. Like, I don't know, yeah, yeah. you feel like she is royalty and, and she's playing And royalty. she's so, even with that kind of framework around her, she's so uh, good at being in the moment, really emotionally affected by what's going on. You know, her... She does the litany. She recites the litany against fear, and she's like trying to hold it together when Paul's being tested and everything. And she's just so good. And they go through a little bit, you know, even during this is only half of the book, and they go through quite a a journey. Her and Paul, and I th- I thought she was just so good. And it's weird. My favorite in the movie is actually um, Javier Bardem, who plays Stilgar, and yeah. it's only because I've read the books that he mm. is. Because like I talked to some other people, and they're like, "Yeah, he's fine. He's on screen for like." six minutes but yeah. the character in the book is really important and really uh you get a lot more of him than we did in this first part one film and mm-hmm. javier bardem understood the gd assignment it's so f- the when he walks in i think it's the first time you see him he walks in and uh, spits on the table and literally yes. so the costuming is just perfect but literally just the way he stands the way that he's standing and the look on his face it's like you pulled him directly out of my brain for the character that I created when I read the book. And just so good. So my he's my favorite part of the movie. He's great. I, my favorite part of the movie, and this is not an original take, but Jason Momoa is having a blast in this movie, and I'm here for it. <laughs> Dude, the best acting I've seen out of Jason Momoa. Yeah, he's really good. Except maybe Game of Thrones. He was great in that, too. Well, yeah. But that's, that's yeah. something else entirely. Yes. He... He brings a certain life to this movie. Everyone, everything else is kind of muted. It feels like uh, in this movie, and he is like this spark of life when you get to see him. For sure. Uh, and he, I thought he just just popped off the screen every time he was on. Uh, I loved watching him, and yeah, I mean, I could go on and on about the visuals in this movie, but it's just, it, I mean, this will win every visual effect cinematography Oscar. Like it, it will. It has to. Nothing comes close. Like no. it's a, it's a sham. And I, I will demand a recount if it doesn't win. All we will awards. ride in the streets. Yes, I will take it to the streets. And I think this should really be heavily considered as best picture. I, I know a lot of times these movies don't, you know, these franchise movies like this don't get that kind of respect or they're due when it comes to that stuff. But I think this is so beyond anything uh, that like a normal MCU movie or something is doing. It's so visually beyond any of that and mm-hmm. on every level it's so far beyond that i agree with you a hundred percent yeah so it's uh, i love this movie um hopefully it comes back on hbo max soon i, I don't know when it's oh, like cause it i know off? you can buy it right now they yeah. took it off because it was only on for like the first month that it was out right. uh but i can't wait for it to come back on because i can't wait to watch it just again and again i, I loved it and yeah. part two in 2023 shouts out I can't wait for that either. The director said he this movie was a lot of like world building and setting the stage, and he's so pumped for part two because he can just have fun and it's just pure cinema, is mm. what he calls it. And that gets me that sends more a chill up my spine. Anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am ready for that. Um, and spoiler alert, and if you want to hop on, you can. My next uh, my next director deep dive. I just did Christopher Nolan last week. Denis Villeneuve is my next uh, director deep dive, so we'll wow. be going. I'll be going through his whole filmography, and he has some about him. absolute bangers, dude. Yeah, 
maybe I will have to have a little five minute rant on your episode. Or yeah, something. you can have a little pop on. Send me a little five minute, your five minutes on Denis because yeah, I can't wait to dive further into his stuff. So yeah, Dune, our number one movie of the year, joint number one movie. I love that. That's I love it's it's poetic that we disagreed so much, but really at the end of the day, we came back on what was really important. What was really important was Dune. That was um, the best movie of the year. Yeah, absolutely. I have so these other categories we can go through. We don't have to. We've talked a lot about most of these movies, uh, but just wanted to highlight uh, some things. Best performances of I have twenty twenty two written in the doc. LOL. It was twenty twenty one. I'm gonna just run through. You know, I've already talked about Benedict Cumberbatch and Joaquin Phoenix and Jodie Comer uh, in their respective films. The two I haven't mentioned yet. Uh, I had them as my five four three. Uh, my number two, um, Olivia Coleman in The Lost Daughter. She's so uh, good. Is, she's a f- just an amazing actress. I she's agree. just got it down. You know, like some people are just good at something. Like they just know <laughs> what the F they're doing. That's her, dude. That's Olivia Coleman. Never a question. Yeah. She will be nominated again this year and honestly could could win. Like she's just, this movie was was really, really good. Um, it was it was another one that's kind of outside looking in on my top ten. I think it's in like the low teens really good and it's just on netflix uh maggie gyllenhaal's directorial debut actually the lost oh that's the Uh, one yeah so uh but yeah olivia coleman is is really really good in that um and then mike faced i think is how you say his last name f-a-i-s-t that's my best guest uh he plays riff in west side story and he blew me away he was he was incredible uh the the best interpretation of that character uh, that I've ever seen. Wow. He brought kind of this edge and darkness to him that is kind of hinted at sometimes with Riff, and he really kind of leaned into the aspect. And they give the updated script kind of gives him a couple other moments that are really, really interesting. So I can't wait for you to see it and see if you. I agree cannot on. wait to see this movie. Like, I might have to go watch it tonight. Yeah, honestly, as soon as you can see it, I, I have plans. I know you'll. And love I it. might cancel them to go and see this movie, dude. Movies are better than people. We've, already, than we've people. established this. We've established this. So those are my favorite performances uh, of the year. How yeah, about, I don't really need list? to talk about mine. We, we pretty much did all of those, I think, already. Let's see. All right. The next one I thought would be fun, highlight just, and this is more just give people recommendations of movies, but top three films that you saw for the first time in 2021, even though they were released before uh, last year. Uh, do you want to just go through your three, two, one? Just give me the yeah, yeah, totally. I love this. Quick hits. Uh, and they may not be in this order. These are just the top three films that I enjoyed the most. I think in that I watched in twenty twenty one. Pieces of a Woman is on Netflix. It's not very well known. It's yeah, um, I've never heard of this one. Oh yeah, dude, definitely see it. You definitely okay. see it. It's beautiful and it's kind of like um, you know, just like. A shot of life you know it's not like a big mm-hmm. budget crazy story movie it's about this couple vanessa kirby who you may know from i think the mission impossible movies that sounds right yeah yeah the name uh, rings a bell for sure and shia labeouf are the couple in this movie and i would absolutely die for shia labeouf he's so talented and i just love watching him um, and he is incredible in this movie, and she is incredible in this movie. And it's a really kind of a simple story, but absolutely heartbreaking. Something tragic happens at the beginning, and there's a, an incredible opening scene of like 30 minute long take, one take scene um, that ends in heartbreak and tragedy. And 
then it goes through the movie, the aftermath of all of that. And it was, it's one of the best movies. It was one of the best movie experiences I've ever had. I'm going on too, too long. Watch Pieces of a Woman. It's on Netflix. It's so good. Uh, then also The Favorite I watched. That one is more well known. I hadn't seen it yet. Uh, and I enjoyed it so much. Olivia, Olivia Coleman. Coleman. She knows she what act. she's doing. She can yep. act. Um, but I, what I really loved about it was the visuals, like the, the set design and the costumes were so good. And there were some shots that I don't know that I've seen before where it's almost like a panoramic shot. And we see mm. all the way down this hallway. We're looking at the wall, but we can see both ends of the hallway on our left and right. And it almost like a fisheye lens kind of a thing. And there were a cool. few shots like that that were just so neat that added such a unique little taste to that film. Mm. Uh, so good. I saw this yeah. on a plane, so I need to watch it on like a real screen. Oh, you haven't seen it on a real TV? Uh, oh, yeah. Dude, watch that again. With Sarah, too. I think she'd really enjoy it. I mean, I guess I don't know her taste well enough to say that. But I watched it with my wife, Cole, and he really enjoyed it. Love that. And then the last one on there is Sound of Metal. This is on Prime Video. I don't remember yeah. if you have to rent it or if it's just on there. I think it's I think just it's on just, there. It was a Prime... Yeah, Amazon... Did the movie, yeah. So you can Riz Ahmed stars and gives just an outstanding performance. Again, this is another kind of simple story, but it's one that I had never heard anything like mm-hmm. it before. This guy goes deaf. He's a metal drummer, like in a metal band. Oh, he's cool. a drummer, yeah. and he goes deaf, and he just—it's kind of like him dealing with that and and experiencing that. And some movies that you see, some movies that I see, I think whether or not they're my favorite or you know whatever. I think they're a perfect film in the sense that there's not anything out of place. There's not anything extraneous in there. It's not missing anything. Everything about it, wherever it ranks on my list, it, it in and of itself is perfect for what it is. The Sound of Metal is one of those movies to me. I think it is a mm. perfect film. And it's definitely absolutely. definitely on my list to see. So I, I will move it much further up hearing that recommendation for sure. Um, okay. Love those. I and I'd only seen one of them, so two good recommendations for me to put on my for put sure. on my list. Uh, my three films, well, um, two kind of like with the Spider-Man Inside situation. Two of my favorite films I saw were Michael Clayton and Pulp Fiction, but those have like forty-five minute episodes already. So go listen to those if you want to hear about those. But outside of those, uh, I have Sicario, Denis Villeneuve. Uh, this is where he got the desert vibes uh, that he needed for Dune, I think. Not the sci-fi vibes. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> this, uh, just a kick-A action movie uh, slash thriller with a great cast. Freaking Emily Blunt, Daniel Kaluuya doing like a bit part in this movie. Um, Benicio yeah. Del Toro, uh, Josh Brolin. So, love this movie about the cartel, drug war. Badass thriller. movie. Badass movie. Yep. Uh, the other throwback, Rear Window. I went on a Hitchcock kick excursion. I- excursion in 2021. And Rear Window absolutely rules. And I fell in love with Grace Kelly watching this movie as well. So, um, yeah. yeah I've this, seen this. You should de- definitely see this movie. It's, uh, I don't know how much like you've like into like Hitchcock movies or anything like that. But Rear Window was, I watched this one in like Vertigo and... Uh, dial in for murder and uh to catch a thief and a couple others this was my this was my favorite one by far uh the plot it's kind of like disturbia with shia labeouf is based on this yeah movie 
So yeah, Jimmy Stewart has suffered an injury. He's trapped in his house and he's watching things unfold. He's watching his neighbor and uh, the plot thickens. Uh, Just add it to my list. Yep. Uh, and then my number one movie, and I think I've talked about it a bit before, uh, but There Will Be Blood. <laughs> it may have made its way like into my top ten movies of all time. Like This is a masterpiece film. It's You were just talking about a perfect film. I think There Will Be Blood is a perfect film. There's nothing in it that yeah. is out of place. Every performance is impeccable. Daniel Day-Lewis is putting on an absolute clinic <laughs> in this movie. He is so freaking good and paul dano as well i mean they're they're fantastic and their opposing energies in this movie is just one of my favorite things i've ever seen on screen paul thomas anderson really good at making movies turns out um <laughs> so <laughs> another hot take that you'll hear first here on the, the aspiring well, joaquin Super phoenix really good paul thomas really anderson good. really good really good uh so yeah th- those are my top three recommendations uh for movies i hadn't seen before 2021 I uh, saw for the first time last year. And then, quick send-off. These aren't movies, but if you like our taste and you want to know what TV shows we're watching, I thought it'd be fun to kind of go through what TV shows we're watching and what we liked uh, in 2021. So give us your, your three or four top well, TV shows you watched. Yeah, well, so I tried to give you TV shows from 2021. I don't know if yes. that's what you were asking for. Yep, yeah, okay. that's what I was asking Because that's a very different list than just what I'm watching regularly. That's so, true, yeah. Your favorite stuff from 2021. came out in 2021... Invincible yes. was probably my favorite TV show that this came is the, out. The superhero cartoon on superhero Amazon, cartoon right? on Amazon. I really, really enjoyed it. Thought it was great. Thought it was surprised me, and I just thoroughly enjoyed it. And then Dope Sick is on Hulu, and uh, it's so good. This is the Michael Keaton one about Michael Keaton and um, Will Poulter, the guy with the eyebrows, as he's known. Oh yeah, okay. and some other people are in it. And it's about the opioid epidemic, basically, when they started, like, when they developed OxyContin and started giving it to people and talking about how it's not addictive. And anyway, it's uh, so good. Caitlin Dever, one of my favorite actresses, a young actress, um, is really, really good. It's a great show. Recommend it to anybody. Just, I, just season one, I think, is out only right now. And then another weird one, I think it came out in 2021, it's an anime. I'm just going to throw it out there because nobody knows about it. If Love you it. like anime or you're interested in weird shit, watch Doro Hidoro <laughs> on Netflix. But only okay. if you like weird stuff. Because I watched it like on a whim with a buddy and it's super weird. But I really, really like I couldn't stop watching it. Okay, Doro Doro Hidoro. Doro Hidoro on Netflix. It's crazy. It's like if you want something to just kind of be crazy with for, I don't know how long the episodes are, 30, 40 minutes, mm-hmm. turn that on. It's 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 really fun <laughs> and really crazy and weird. Not at all my usual taste, but it's really good. And then I have to plug this. I watched The Sopranos for the first time in my life in 2021, beginning to end, and it's the best TV show ever made. It's better than Breaking Bad. It's better than Game of Thrones. It's better than anything else you'd put up there. And I can't believe it took me this long to watch it. And I still I haven't it. watched it. I need to get on it. Um, my like throwback one of kind of like iconic, like these are the best shows ever made. One that's also in that conversation a lot. I've watched the first three seasons anyway of The Wire, which I would also wholeheartedly That's next recommend. on my list. <laughs> it's, it's 
so good and i just can't wait for you to watch it and we can talk about it and i will watch sopranos so that we can talk about that um yeah sopranos good show you also heard that here first <laughs> on the, the aspiring cinephile um my top three from 2021 uh i've got um arcane uh it had its first season so this is an animated show and don't laugh but it is based on league of legends it is based on characters from that video game and so it could be partially because I went in with zero expectation, but holy cow, this show absolutely blew me away. The animation is beautiful. Uh, it kind of reminded me a little bit of like the Spider-Verse style animation, like they're doing uh, that style. The Fortiche, I think, is the name of the animation studio that did this and partnered with uh, uh, Riot, to, who did like all the story stuff. Um, it's beautiful to look at. The story kicks butt. It was really good. Some of my favorite sequences I've seen on screen this year came from this show. So I haven't Arcane. seen it, but I've heard only good things from a lot of people. Different kinds of people, too. Yeah. It's you really could good. never have even heard of what League of Legends is. Forget that it's based on a game of any kind or anything. Just go in and watch it as just a show on its face, and I think it totally holds up. So would definitely recommend Arcane. My other one, Mayor, Mayor of Easttown. Uh, this is the HBO limited series that starred Kate Winslet. It was It's a murder mystery Really, really good. I think it's only it's only seven episodes. It's on HBO Max, and it stars Kate Winslet, who's one of our best living actresses. So just watch it. It's really, really good. And then Succession. Uh, it was season three of Succession. This is just the best written show on television, um, and it's the best acted show on TV right now. Uh, the SAG Awards, the best leading actor in a TV drama. Three of the five nominations are from Succession. That is incredible. Jeremy Strong, Brian Cox, and Kieran Culkin are all So if I'm going to start a new TV show and it's between The Wire and Succession, which one am I watching? Because that's that's the drama. That Depends. Do you want to do you want to join a show in it's in progress? How many seasons are or out? Or do you want to see a complete? There's three seasons out now. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. Yep, Succession. It is. It's <laughs> it's just it somehow manages to be the best drama and the best comedy on TV. Like at the same time, it's, it makes me laugh. And then Jeremy strong is putting in just like one of the best performances I've seen ever. Like he is just Jeremy. You're going to love Jeremy strong in the show. He is really, really, really good. So succession, uh, another, (laughs) another original take here. Uh, succession is really good. (laughs) So go watch it. Any parting shots before, uh, before we go, any anything else that you need to need to get off your uh, chest about twenty twenty one? I don't think so. Twenty twenty one sucked as a year, but in the end, it wasn't that bad, and there were a lot of great movies and stuff that came out of it. Really, the best movie year we've had in a while. It was twenty twenty one. I know most people hated it. It was the best year of my life, but that's because my you know, my son was born, and we got a lot of really good movies on top of it. But. Uh, Dude, thank you so much for talking movies with me. Sorry that it took us so long, but I just can't ever stop talking. It, I just me too, wanted... but I can talk about movies all day, I think. so. Uh, we'll save it. We've got a couple more. Uh, you know, Our James Bond episode coming soon, so uh, let we'll we'll get back to that debate. Because I, I can't wait. That was getting a little heated, and I'm ready to re... Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I can't I wait to re-engage wait. on that. Really good. Uh, I know we both have a lot of opinions and material to yeah, to cover in good. that, so that would right, be well, a good one. Dude, thanks so much. Uh, here's to a great 2022, and let's do this again for 2022. Thank you guys for listening to the show, and 
go watch the movies. Go jazz.